The Guardian. Hello again, I'm Michael White and this is the Guardian's Daily Election podcast. The noise you can hear in the background is Whitehall. Uh, it's an extraordinary day, yet another extraordinary day. Uh, David Cameron and Nick Clegg, uh, David and Nick as they now call each other, have held a press conference in the uh, garden at uh, uh, Downing Street. Don't see many of them. Uh, the Labour Party has been picking itself off the ground, telling each other the election defeat wasn't so bad, looking to a new leader to succeed Gordon Brown. And all the while, Liberal Democrats and Tories been going through the big black door to be appointed uh, uh, members of this extraordinary new uh, coalition uh, cabinet. Uh, Phil Maynard, my producer, and I have been wandering around all day, as we have done since the start of the campaign, looking for interesting people to talk to, to tell us what they think's going on, and uh, that's what we're going to do. But first, let's hear from uh, the new double act, Cameron and Clegg, the new Brown and Blair, in the uh, garden at number 10. On the steps of Downing Street yesterday evening, I said that Nick and I wanted to put aside party differences and work together in the national interest. Since I set out that aim, both our parties have given their full backing to our coalition agreement, a Liberal Democrat Conservative government that we have negotiated. There are five Liberal Democrat Secretaries of State in Cabinet working hand in hand with Conservative colleagues to address the big challenges that Britain faces. And starting with Nick Clegg as Deputy Prime Minister, Liberal Democrats will be represented at every level of government. We are not just announcing a new government and new ministers, we are announcing a new politics. And I would like now to invite him to speak to us on what I think is a remarkable and very welcome day. Nick. Thank you, David. We, um We've just been through an election campaign, and now we have a coalition. Uh, until today, we were rivals, and now we're colleagues. And that says a lot about the scale of the new politics which is now beginning to unfold. We are different parties, and we have different ideas. This is a government that will last despite those differences, because we are united by a common purpose for the job we want to do together in the next five years. Our ambition is simple and yet profound. Our ambition is to put real power and opportunity into the hands of people, families and communities to change their lives and our country for the better. It wasn't all plain sailing, of course, the two of them know that, and uh, here we have a lovely, wholly predictable moment where Andy Bell of uh, Channel 5 uh, produces something from the record of what the Prime Minister once said about, guess who, Nick Clegg, of course. Thank you, Andy Bell, 5 News. First of all, congratulations to you both, Prime Minister, Deputy Prime Minister. Secondly, Prime Minister, do you now regret when once asked what your favourite joke was, you replied, Nick Clegg, and Deputy Prime Minister, what do you think of that? (laughs) We're all going to have... I'm afraid I did once. uh, (laughs) (laughs) We're all... Come back! Simon Hoggart, the Guardian sketch writer, was there, as you would expect. Here's what Simon made of it. Preliminary findings. Nick Clegg told us this is what the new politics looks like 
And it looks like a civil partnership with two very smartly dressed chaps standing there. Uh, I almost expected them at the end to say, uh, and thank you all for the lovely, lovely presents. The toasters were particularly welcome. <laughs> what was wonderful was the way that these two people had been knocking seven bells out of each other throughout the whole election. So, uh, Cameron, I remember saying, uh, the only possible government we can have is uh, one with a clear majority and voting Liberal Democrat is basically treasonous. I exaggerate slightly. And I was saying, it's just absolutely wonderful. We've made this fantastic agreement. Uh, it's going to be absolutely super. We'll be running against each other in by-elections, of course. But uh, Nick is going to be standing in for me um, against Harriet Harman. little joke there for the press corps, because he assumes that we don't rate her very highly indeed. And it was um, altogether rather extraordinary. And I couldn't help thinking, you know, the new politics, it looks an awful lot like the old politics. You've got uh, uh, a guy who was at Eton and Oxford and a guy who was at Westminster and Cambridge uh, frankly new politics looks very much like the politics of around 50 years ago but it was a nice sunny day I spotted Ken Clark, the new Justice Secretary at a great distance this morning but wasn't quick enough to catch him but here he is with George Osborne uh, talking about uh, their respective new posts uh, David Cameron has asked me to be uh, the Chancellor Exchequer and I'm incredibly honoured to accept that role understanding that I do so at a time of enormous economic challenge. Indeed, no uh, modern government has inherited such a difficult economic situation from its predecessor. Uh, the rise in unemployment this morning is a confirmation of that. And we know that we have the largest budget deficit in Europe. I find myself in a department I haven't shadowed, but I, uh, I was a lawyer many years ago. I uh, have uh, obviously been Home Secretary in my time, and some of the responsibilities were then in the Home Office, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward mainly to being uh, part of a strong, stable team. It's being done with remarkable efficiency. Now, I've been watching uh, new Prime Ministers uh, go in to Downing Street, and their appointments follow them on and off since 1970, when... Um, I dashed off to the telephone to tell my uh, uh, office that nothing was happening and missed a woman throwing a pot of red paint over the new PM, Ted Heath. Oh, dear. Anyway, I've done enough of that, so I didn't do it today. Uh, but our political correspondent, uh, Nick Watt, is here. He's been doing it, and uh, he's providing a brisk summary of uh, the comings and goings. It's becoming pretty clear that there are some members uh, of certainly uh, the Conservative shadow cabinet. Um, it's pretty clear that there are some losing out, but then there are winners on the Conservative side. I mean, Theresa May was the shadow work and pension yeah. secretary. She's now Home Secretary. That is one of the great offices of state. Uh, that is a very serious promotion. She's obviously a very significant and indeed an iconic figure in the Conservative Party um, because, of course, she famously told the Conservative Party a few years ago that they were the nasty party. She got into real trouble in the party for saying that, but clearly uh, she had her finger on the pulse. There are 23 full members of the cabinet. Most of them, not surprisingly, go to the Conservatives. But there are five Liberal Democrats in there, and uh, they're not going to be cleaning the loose. They're going to be doing serious jobs. Nick Clegg is obviously going to be Deputy Prime Minister. Uh, Chris Hewnett looks like he's going to be taking charge of the, the climate change brief. But I think a particularly significant appointment is that David Laws, who was uh, the Liberal Democrats' education spokesman, he is going to be the number two in the Treasury. He's going to be the Chief Secretary to the Treasury. Now, what traditionally does that job do? Well, they're in charge of public 
spending now. For the last 13 years, the person doing that job has been able to distribute lovely goods, lots of public spending. It is not going to be like that for David Lords. He is going to be in charge of the most serious public spending cuts in 30, perhaps even 60 years. And I think it's pretty clear that amid all the, all the smiles at this wonderful coalition agreement, clearly David Cameron is saying... We want the Liberal Democrats, they've got to have their fingers in the blood. Earlier in the day, we stumbled on Nick Harvey, once a great white hope of the party, now a solid middling uh, backbench member of Parliament with some responsibilities. What's his take on it? Well, I I think it's had as good a birth as could have been hoped for. It seems to have been an amicable negotiation. I think it's a a good policy agreement that's been made. I haven't seen much detail of how it's supposed to work in practice. Um, Coalition agreements in other parts of the world are usually hammered out in tedious detail as to how it'll all actually operate. I guess this is just something that we'll see over the course of time. You're expecting a phone call from, would it be Mr Cameron or Mr Clegg? What's the procedure? Uh, I, I, I've, I've no idea, and uh, not particularly. I think uh, there are probably more Liberal Democrats capable and eligible for office than there are posts, so some of us are bound to be disappointed. Mm, a lot of Tory noses put out of joint. Well, that was the verdict the electorate delivered. We all stood for... Uh, different outcomes, but the outcome we've got is the one that people collectively decided upon. Thank you. I found time during the day to dash into a conference being organised by uh, Tim Montgomery, uh, the man behind the influential Conservative Home uh, website. Uh, I was taking part on one of his panels. I got there late but did my bit, and when it was over, uh, we asked Tim Montgomery what he made of it all. Well, it's uh, bewildering, the idea that this would be where we have ended up a week ago would have been completely foreign to me. Um, I'm anxious about the possibility, not so much of Nick Clegg and David Cameron working together, who seem to have developed a very natural chemistry very quickly, but it's generally true, and I know right and left are tired expressions, but most of the Conservative Party is to the right of David Cameron, and most of the Liberal Democrats are to the left of Nick Clegg. Yep, and it's right. that, it's the in-laws rather than the marriage that's potentially the interesting problem here. Beautifully put. Uh, did you expect it to be a sort of... Uh, confidence and supply, a much looser arrangement? I think you and I have both had exactly the same prediction. I thought it would be a minority Conservative government um, and we were both wrong. But I think the problem that the Conservative Party wanted to uh, preempt was they just didn't want to get into an arrangement with a political party and be brought down by the other parties at a moment of maximum unpopularity by it because they'd just taken some very difficult spending cuts. And so they were prepared to offer the Liberal Democrats much more than I thought yes, they would be willing yes. to in order to get that coalition. So the terms, I think, you know, five cabinet ministers, uh, Liberal Democrats in just about every point portfolio, a referendum on AV. This is sort of um, toe-curling stuff for an average Conservative, but they've done it to get the coalition. Right. Now, you're in touch with the uh, Tory grassroots, uh, uh, nobody better. Uh, They must be delighted to have seen a well-bred, Conservative, uh, confident, articulate young man like David Cameron standing in front of number 10, going through the door on his own terms. That must have cheered everybody up. But in a week or two, all the things you've just said about this coalition, are they going to scratch their heads or are they already scratching them? 
Um, I think the Conservative Party is at the moment just delighted to see the pictures, as you say, of David Cameron in, in Downing Street. And actually, they quite probably like the look of Nick Clegg. What well scrubbed, scrubbed young man uh, too, isn't exactly. he? Exactly. <laughs> um, but I think there's two problems. First of all, they expected to win this election outright. Um, that hasn't quite sunk in yet that they haven't. And I don't think it's quite sunk in quite how many concessions have been made to the Liberal Democrats. It's all exciting at the moment. I don't know about you, Michael, it's all exhausting. We're all tired. We've all been running on too little sleep. All those factors are going to pass soon and we're going to get into the grind of difficult day-to-day -day decisions. And then it, we're going to wake up and perhaps not be quite so comfortable with the people we are in coalition with. But will the discipline, the will to win in the Conservative Party 13 years out of power, the party never likes it, will it be sufficient to make sure that your set of in-laws, as you put it, rather than Nick Clegg's set of in-laws, uh, will um, stay the course? Well, uh, my, my recent record of predictions, I'm not going to make too many bold predictions, but I thought it was very interesting the way that Labour big beasts, Labour grandees, really objected to the deal with Liberals because they could see that it was very problematical. There was almost silence from the Tories because exactly the reason you state, at the moment there's hunger for any kind of office. How long that will be sustained, that's the big question. Labour leaders, ex-leaders, ex-cabinet ministers can treat themselves to the indulgence of indiscipline because they've had a good run and they're out. Yeah, and we, and we have been out now for 13 years. The party that regards itself as the natural party of government has been out of government for its longest period in its history. And it was pretty much willing to sell um, a lot of the family silver, which in some ways it's done, in order to get David Cameron over the threshold of Downing Street. Thank you, Tim Montgomery. Meanwhile, uh, back at Guardian HQ, uh, John Dennis has been finding out what Dan Roberts, our business editor, thinks uh, of the city's likely reaction to the appointments of George Osborne, Vince Cable and others on the economic team. Well, it's been fairly muted, really. I mean, after all that fuss about the city likes this and the market doesn't like that and so forth, actually, the you know, FTSE's up a little bit and everything's broadly flat. There's a few things that have kind of calmed the euphoria down quite a lot. One was Mervyn King this morning saying that he thought that they were going to have to cut deeper and faster than anybody had anticipated because the economy has been knocked off course by what's been going on in Europe. And that's sort of a bit of a sobering wake-up call. And there's also a sense that if Vince Cable and some of the Lib Dem business policies get enacted actually life might not be quite so cushy for the city as they were maybe expecting because the banks are going to be broken up and city bonuses are going to be curbed well you you, you might think that i mean that's certainly what vince cable spent most of the pre-election phase talking about and he's been given a pretty big job running the business department um with a mandate to do that but what's going to be interesting is that opposite him is going to be george osborne in the treasury with potentially a different way of of thinking about the city i mean it's too soon to tell exactly where Osborne's going to come down but if there's going to be a tension in this government it's going to be between Cable and Osborne over how to manage the economy. Uh, John Dennis also got on a bus and asked people in Camden what they thought of the show so far. I think that if two different parties are really willing to work together to come up with the right answers I think that's a fantastic result but we need to see whether that's going to be the case. And I think everybody's had grace. I thought Gordon was fantastic in the way that he, he left in his speech. I thought Sarah looked beautiful. I thought David Cameron and, and his wife were very humble and, you know, not lording it over everyone. And I thought Nick supported all of that. So, fingers crossed. Good luck to them all. You think it's a good thing? 
Uh, I'll wait to see how what the outcome is before, uh, before we go any further. I'm a staunch Labour supporter, but perhaps things will go horribly wrong and so Labour will get a chance sooner. I think the Tories are using the Lib Dems in order to gain power. I'm not happy with it, but I'm glad Labour didn't go into coalition with the Lib Dems because there would have been such a reaction against them. It would have wiped out a kind of progressive left. I hate the idea of the Liberals in government, but it had to be done, I think, to keep the Conservatives in and I'm delighted they got a good vote. I'm happy with David Cameron. Well, I'm not too happy about it. I was voting for Labour, so yeah. I'm a bit disappointed, but we'll see how it goes, isn't it? It's a much better government. Yeah, Conservatives all the way. Yeah, good luck to them. But the government's not Conservative all the way. It's going to be Conservative policy and it's a Conservative government. It's all blue. It's what we need. We have to wait and see. It's a bit of a shocker, really. <laughs> I don't know what to feel about it. It's, um, it's all very strange. First thing this morning, uh, we did what's becoming a habit, uh, staked out uh, Port Cullis House, the big uh, shiny new building opposite Big Ben, uh, to catch passing Labour MPs to get their take on how it's all looking from the side of the defeated uh, government. We've cornered Sir Stuart Bell, uh, a Labour MP for Middlesbrough for more years than he or I care to remember. Now, looking to the future, future of the Labour Party, were you relieved, although no doubt saddened also, to see Gordon and Sarah Brown leave number 10 last night? It was a very moving experience, especially with the two children. We have never seen the two children before. Gordon was a very private man, as you will know. He came into the house with me in 1983. I've known him as a shy man, a retiring man. He didn't want to be in the public gaze or his family, but it was very moving. If you're going to be elected, you've got to be in the public gaze. That was one of the contradictions in his nature. He wanted to be prime minister, but almost privately. Yes, I agree with you entirely. Um, I've known Tony Blair for many years. I've been on Darlington Station with him. Walks down the platform. Says in the hello. days when he still when he was down prime minister, yeah. and he was uh, he said hello to everybody. Now Gordon was never, never actually amenable to his own uh, members of parliament. He he really had a, a retiring nature, which didn't suit him for the top job. I thought, but uh, there you go. We're having no recriminations, no post mortems. What we are doing is looking to the future, and certainly we have three young candidates between the ages of 38 and 43 and the next leader that we do elect he'll be leader for 10 years. So I infer that it must be uh, David Miliband, Ed Miliband and Ed Balls. I think that any of those are good candidates. I'm supporting David Miliband as the MP for South Shields in our area. Fine Foreign Secretary, very able, communicative, uh, lovely man to work with open open to any kind of suggestions. Okay, now here's the thing, if you know him well locally, local people have occasionally said to me, Labour Party activists, he doesn't have the common touch David, he can't sort of do retail and other people say, well he's a bit lofty doesn't talk to the colleagues enough, doesn't come into the tea room you're rather serious and high minded now that's potentially quite damaging in the age in which we live, isn't it? It certainly is but bear in mind he's foreign secretary I've never known many foreign secretaries get into the tea room I have to say, but but I found him amenable. He came to our regional conference in Sunderland a couple of months ago, talked to everyone. You know, he is a, a man of a great uh, background, a great distinction. His father, Ralph Miliband, must be very proud of his two sons, wherever he is now. He looks down upon us. I was told their mother thought they were both a sellout because they're old Marxist intellectuals, aren't they? Well, Ralph Miliband, as you remember, was a pure Marxist intellectual and added greatly to the debates on the left wing of the uh, socialist movement. But I think David Miliband 
of the three that we're talking about, and they're all fine candidates, is the one, I think, to give us a future, a vision that will last into the next 10 years. Hazel Blears, many people didn't expect to see you back here, striding confidently across Portcullis House. What happened in Salford after all your troubles? Well, we had a really, really great result. Um, I got a majority of uh, 6,000 votes. Uh, Compared with last time? 7,500, so a bit of a swing, but uh, and it is a new seat, uh, half the constituency. I wasn't even their MP, so it was a fantastic result. But people were saying terrible things about you. They were saying you were going to be stoned out of public life uh, uh, after the expenses publicity which you took uh, uh, before the election. It all seems a long time ago now, but people were supposed to be getting you for it. What happened? Do you know, the media sometimes gets it wrong, don't they? Just occasionally, not oh, very often, but not. just no, occasionally. No, no. What happened was that I just went to Salford. <clears throat> um, I obviously lived there anyway, but I just knocked You've on... you up, they grown up there, you're a proper born, local girl. brought up, my family lived there, I knocked on thousands and thousands and thousands of doors and what it showed me is that the way really to build trust between the people and politicians is to be on their doorstep and looking them in the eye and doing your best for them. So when you on the doorstep, you look people in the eye, they don't slam it in your face they say come on in Hazel not at all. They're usually very glad to see you. Uh, they remember a lot of the good things that you've done for the last 13 years. They look round in Salford, and it's not paradise, um, but it's a damn sight better than it was 13 years ago. Yeah, that's so. Now, looking to the future, Labour leadership. Uh, Gordon Brown's gone. I suppose you can't be too sorry for, uh, for that, but uh, to the future, um, who's, who should be the leader of the Labour Party? Have you made your mind up yet? No, I haven't made my mind up, but I think that there should be a broad choice of candidates. Um, I would like to see candidates who uh, move beyond the kind of London-centric um, politicians that we see so much of. A couple of years ago, I actually said uh, that we need to have politicians from a wider range of backgrounds, not kind of special advisors and career politicians. I got in terrible trouble for that. Well, I'm not surprised because Ed Miliband, Ed Balls and David Miliband all fit into that description, uh, don't they? Even though they all represent seats uh, uh, well north of the M25. But Alan Johnson, who could fit into your description on the radio this morning, saying, sensible chap, I'm not going to stand, I'm backing David Miliband. Did that surprise you? Um, no, I mean, Alan obviously um, makes his own decisions. He's quite a forthright character, and he, he, that's what he's decided to do. Um, I think it's going to be fascinating who's going to emerge. Uh, and what I do think we need is somebody who genuinely learns the lessons from the election that the public have told us. But when you talk about outside the normal frame, um, outside London, you must have somebody in mind here, and I'm struggling to think who it is. Ah, well, do you see? <laughs> you it's just not gonna... Hazel Blears, is it? <laughs> it's certainly not Hazel Blears. Um, although I do genuinely regret the lack of women in the election campaign from all parties. I think it was a really, really male campaign. In the campaign? Because a lot of MPs, women MPs, are 139 now, isn't it? A lot of ethnic minorities, their numbers have doubled. Not as bad, considering it's a uh, liberal Tory uh, coalition. They're notoriously bad on women's issues, aren't they? We both know that. And yet they haven't done as badly as you might have feared. No, I'm pleased at the number of new women that are coming in, and I know quite a lot of them, and I think they'll be absolutely excellent. There's a lot of young, feisty, uh, vibrant women coming in, and um, I, I want to see them just have a bit more public presence, because I'm sick to death of looking at the television and just seeing lots and lots of men in suits. Ah, now we've got hold of Paul Flynn, one of my favourite left-wing Labour troublemakers, yes. who has 
probably been an MP almost since Keir Hardy. How old are you now, Paul? I can remember the time I'm reaching the midpoint of my parliamentary career at 75 and full of enthusiasm. (laughs) The sun sun is shining this morning and it's a happy day for Labour. We lost last week because it's the demise of the Lib Dems and there are two possibilities. Either the coalition uh, will fracture because the Lib Dems stick to their convictions. That's very unlikely because uh, if they do and there's a, a new, uh, an early general election, the possibility of the P45s charging across the horizon towards them will make cowards of them. So they won't. So the coalition will work. And what will happen... P45s if people don't know that. And what will happen, the coalition carries on and they become more resentful. Uh, they have to sacrifice things they believe in. But eventually the succubus will be absorbed by the host and they will all become tarred with the same guilt for the dollars of crap they've got to dump on the electorate. So when it comes to the next election, the electorate won't see any difference between Lib Dems and Tories. They will all be government and guilty and the uh, a shattered uh, electorate who have been battered by austerity will punish them. Now, okay. moving on to the future of the Labour Party, what's yes, going to happen? Who's well, going to um, win and why? As someone you described as a lefty, I shall be supporting one of the Millibands, probably Ed Millibands. I, I did have a chat with him yesterday. Because? Um, because uh, uh, highly intelligent, presentable, we're in a politics where uh, we need someone who's going to shine in the uh, television debates. The television debates uh, changed the result of this election. The television debates, stuff Cameron. It meant he didn't get the majority. And because of that, we've got to have presentation. People are interested in pictures. We know that Gordon Brown won the debate on the radio, but lost it on the television. And here we are. We found another, uh, I must now say, ex-Labour minister for the last, what is it, 12 hours, Kevin Jones? Kevin uh, Jones MP for Durham North. And uh, he's looking very well for an ex-minister. Are you glad to have the burdens of office lifted of you? No, it's a great privilege. I mean, <clears throat> one thing I won't be missing this weekend is the red boxes coming, uh, so it could give you some... That's some the ministerial s- papers for people who don't know. So, uh, How that, many would you have on a normal weekend? Uh, well, two or three, and... Uh, it's full of stuff. Full of stuff, so... And the civil servants hide the tricky stuff at the bottom, hoping you'll get tired and won't read them, and they'll be able to do uh, what they well, want. Well, but uh, an ex-Tory minister told me to turn the box upside down, so that's what I always used to do, and start from the bottom. Oh, <laughs> the cunning of it. I've heard that story before, and I'm sure it's true. Now, looking to the Labour leadership, what's your advice? to colleagues or aren't you prepared to share it at this stage no I think the key thing is we've got to have a, we've got to have a, a proper uh, contest and a debate what we've not got to do is turn in ourselves and actually uh, tear ourselves apart because that's to be self-indulgent I don't think that's all what happened after 1979 well, and happened to the Tories after 97 well, didn't it well we've got to learn from those I think what we've got to make sure is that we don't have the recriminations infighting because I don't think the public and certainly the constituents I represent will actually forgive us for that and uh, a leadership candidate have you got one yet no, I just wait and see who, who comes forward, but uh, I think there is an array of talent and we just need to make sure that once he or she is elected uh, that we uh, unite behind them and actually take the flight to the Tories and the Liberal Democrats. That is the answer of a professional trade union and political organiser. Keep your cards close to your chest. Thank you. <laughs> so, day one of Britain's first proper coalition since World War II, Winston Churchill and Clement Attlee. David Cameron's Churchill, uh, Nick Clegg is Attlee uh, in the team, and we know who won the subsequent election. Uh, what are we to make of it? Well, how can we say? It's much too soon. But so far, they're right to claim. It's a very different tone, 
very different atmosphere. Two leaders, two parties cooperating. It may well end in tears, but I think this is probably roughly what the electorate said it wanted on May the 6th. Wanted Labour out, particularly wanted Gordon Brown out, wanted to try something different. And heavens, we certainly are trying something different. Is it a new politics? Well, the new politics is never far away. But hey, let's give it a try, something different, see how it all works out. Tomorrow, Allegra Stratton and Tom Clark will bring you the week's news in Politics Weekly. Goodbye.